0: Today on Abounding Grace from Ed Taylor. God is looking for faithful men and faithful women that will give, that will serve, that will surrender. It's always glorious to see what the Lord wants to do, taking you forward. And even with all the progress, there's going to be resistance. All the progress, there will be warfare. The enemy will be there to push you back. You take a step forward and the enemy's right in your face. He's right there saying, "You're going to take a step of faith, you're going to obey God, you're going to step into that arena, I'm going to unleash wickedness and evil all around you.": This is a messing grace)
1: One thing to start well and quite another to finish well. Today, on abounding grace, be encouraged to be faithful to God from start to finish. Pastor Ed Taylor will recall the example of a king who had a good beginning, but like so many today, had a sad ending. Let's turn to 2 Kings 12 and hear all
0: about it. As we come back to 2 Kings chapter 12, you notice this idea of he did right in the sight of the Lord, but he let things continue on. He did it right in the sight of the Lord, but he allowed these high places. He stopped one form of false worship, but allowed three others. And it's not a good thing for us to be partially obedient. It's not a good thing for you to go, well, at least I tried. When at the same time, you could have delivered. As I've often Taught my kids as they were growing up, and extended it to our church family. It's just a simple little thought: trying is not doing. And so, when you find yourself using the language of trying, you're just simply reflecting you aren't doing. And in a spiritual sense, I'm not speaking of the things where you've tried a new dish or, you know, you've tried a, a new hobby. I'm speaking about your relationship with God. When you begin to use the word, hey, did you uh, do such and such? Well, I tried. It's better just to say, no, I didn't do it. No, I didn't complete it. Because the Lord wants full and complete obedience, and he has given the power available to obey. He has given, you see, the moment that we respond to the command of God is the instantaneous moment of the power of God to fulfill that command. God's commands always come with his enablements. He doesn't give a command to you and me in the Bible and expect us to fulfill it with our own power, our own strength, our own wisdom, our own knowledge, our own resources. He knows how bankrupt we are. The problem is, is we don't understand how bankrupt we are and how meager our resources are. And so here we are in verse 3, and pick up in verse 4 now. And Jehoahash said to the priests, all the money of the dedicated gifts that are brought into the house of the Lord, each man's census money, each man's assessment money, and all the money that a man purposes in his heart to bring into the house of the Lord, let the priests take it themselves, each from his constituency, and let them repair the damages of the temple." Wherever any dilapidation is found, you read it yourself, uh, broken down, it's dilap. how do you say it? Dilapidation. That's, you get it right the first time. Now it was so, by the 23rd year, verse 6, King Jehoash, it's that the priests had not repaired the damages of the temple. So King Jehoash called Jehoiada, the priest, and the other priests and said to them, why have you not repaired the damages of the temple? Now, therefore, don't take any more money from your constituency, but deliver it for the repairing of the damages of the temple. And the priests agreed that they would neither receive any more money from the people nor repair the damages of the temple. Then Jehoiada, the priest, took a chest and bored a hole in its lid and set it beside the altar on the right side as one comes into the house of the Lord. And the priest who kept the door put there all the money that was brought into the house of the Lord. So it was, whenever they saw that there was much money in the chest, that the king's scribe and the high priest came up and put it in bags and counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord. Then they gave the money that which had been apportioned into the hands of those who did the work, who had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they paid it out to the carpenters and the builders who worked on the house of the Lord, and to the masons, to the stone cutters, to buying timber and hewn stone to repair the damage of the house of the Lord, for all that was paid out to repair the temple. Verse 13. However, there were not made for the house of the Lord basins of silver, trimmers, sprinkling bowls, trumpets, any articles of gold, articles of silver from the money that was brought into the house of the Lord. But they gave that to the workmen, and they repaired the house of the Lord with it. Moreover, they did not require an account from the men whose hand they delivered the money to be paid to the workmen because they dealt faithfully. And the money from the trespass offerings and the money from the sin offerings was not brought into the house of the Lord. It belonged to the priest. So we get a little insight to, his, to the time uh, of his leadership. And we don't know what age he is at this point, but he's old enough to begin giving directions without Jehoiada. And he gives the order to divert the temple offerings to a new building project. And the people gave, and they got excited for it, and the builders were faithful, and it was a glorious time. And I have to say, this is such a neat time. Even though there was a little road bumps, you know, um, there were some bumps along the way. I have to say that when we look back on the faithfulness of our church over the years, for the 19 years we, begin to be, we, been, we have been together, of all the building projects that we've done, all the little things we've done, all the big things that we've done, from, from, from you know, phone systems, to building the building, to adding this, and adding lights and changing this, and I mean, all of those things, there, there has been a provision of God through his people and through you and me as we give, of our faithful, give faithfully of our tithes and offerings and even give unto the building. There's, there's a faithful multiplication. You know, there'll be times when I'll come, and I'll use, the, defi- I'll use the, the words, I'll say, you know, isn't it great that the Lord gave us? And isn't, the la- isn't it great that the Lord did this? And isn't it great that where God guides, he provides? And sometimes using that language, people will hear me say that, and they will be confused in thinking that something came to us for free. You know, the Lord gave it to us, and we automatically associate giving with free. Or when the God guides, He provides, and all of a sudden we were out in the parking lot, and we had a prayer meeting holding hands on the parking lot, and then we looked up, and there was a big briefcase of money that just fell down right in front of us. And we go, oh, the Lord has given us what we needed. No, the way that God provides is through the people in His church through the, those with the gift of giving, those that are obedient in the giving as of tithes and offerings, those that have a heart for some project. Like maybe years ago, you were just anticipating uh, what was happening on this piece of dirt and you didn't have any clue what it was going to be. You just knew something was going to be here, and you had no idea what it possibly could be, and you dropped a $20 bill on the offering, or you sent a check in for $50, or whatever it might be. Never really anticipating that the collective giving, like we see here in Second Kings, would be used to build a building. It would be used to house, literally now, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, not only being taught the Word of God, but but also being given the gospel. And then it would be shouted abroad or spread abroad through technology. Like you would never think, what is $20? What is $200? What is $2,000? What is $2 million? It's all nothing to the Lord. He owns it, all the cattle on a thousand hills— like he owns it all, it all belongs to him. Anything in your bank account, anything in your pocket, anything in your car, everything you find under the cushions, it belongs to the Lord, all of it. And yet collectively the people of God, where God guides, he provides through his people. You see that all throughout the scriptures. God is the great provider. He provides to us as people. And, and I can think back to all of the times all of the administrators here, all of the, the accountants that we've had, all of the pe- every time we've had to write a check, every time a bill has come in, every time there's been a need, it's always been met by the Lord through his people. Now, I'm sure that he could drop a briefcase out of the sky with a billion dollars in it. I'm sure he could. God can do whatever he wants. But the pattern that he's chosen to use is right here. You know, we're separated by the people of rebuilding the temple here uh, or repairing the temple. We're separated by them by thousands of years. But you know what? God's still doing the same thing. Because even as we're beginning to assess the wear and tear that this poor building gets on, I'm telling you, man, the kids use this building like you wouldn't believe. And you use this building like you wouldn't believe. And I mean, it's wear and tear, and that's the way it should be. This isn't a museum. This is the church of Jesus Christ that should be moving and mobilizing people and being used to its greatest potential. And yet, when we start to look at the repairs and we start to look at the needs, we're like, oh my, wow, how things have changed over the years. And so we begin to pray and say, hey, Lord, what are you going to do? And how do you want to match this? And, you know, it's always a glorious thing to see God move us forward. It's always a glorious thing to see God provide. It's always a wonderful time where we're praying and seeking God for fresh things, for new things. It's always a great time as a church to be have vision and desire that is beyond our ability. Because it causes us, like you, you think of some of the difficulties that are in your home right now, and you think of some of the difficulties that are with your kids right now, and they're stretching you, and it's beyond your ability, and your kids are beyond, they don't even listen to you anymore. You know, when they were literally, they would, they would listen to you. Just go to your room. Okay. Well, now I go to your room. No. And we're like, what, are you taking me on? Yeah. You know, and just like, what are you going to do? it's beyond your ability and what is god saying pray to me god's not saying any of the things you're thinking about what well, you're going to do that kid he's not saying that he's saying i've allowed this limitation in your life so you might call out to me and i'll tell you what's going on in your kid's heart and i'll tell you what kind of discipline that they need what kind of training that they need so you might train your kids in the way that they should go I know we don't often think that way because, man, we're so quick to get inflamed in the flesh. Argument in our marriage, difficulty with our kids, loneliness in our singleness, and we're just so quick in the flesh. But the Lord is saying, I brought you to a limitation, so you cry out to me. I brought you to this bill that you can't pay to cry out to me. I've brought this disruption into your life so you might depend upon me. you become too comfortable and you've got everything in order the way that you want it. And even though God says, I'm a God of decency and order, I'm also a God of faith. Faith comes first. Why? Because it's impossible to please God without faith. Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm so encouraged by in verse 15, they didn't even require... It was so faithful, they didn't even require an accounting because the men were faithful. God is looking for faithful men and faithful women that will give, that will serve, that will surrender. It's always glorious to see what the Lord wants to do, taking you forward. And even with all the progress, there's going to be resistance. All the progress, there will be warfare, warfare. The enemy will be there to push you back. You take a step forward and the enemy's right in your face. He's right there saying, you're gonna take a step of faith? You're gonna obey God? You're gonna step into that arena? I'm gonna unleash wickedness and evil all around you. The Bible says that Jesus himself sets before our church an open door. And he wants us to go through those doors, trusting him, looking to him, following him, Caring more about what God thinks about us, not what people think. Not fearing man, which brings a snare, but fearing God and marching forward. What is that song? Where soldiers, is there like onward Christian soldier? Dun da, dun da dun. I don't remember the words. But the Lord wants us to march forward, to take territory from the enemy, to preach the gospel to speak out for the, those that have no voice, to live lives of integrity, to step out in faith, giving God a chance to work in our lives, individually and as a church. Paul wrote to, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9, A great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And When the Lord opens a door, the enemy and enemies will be right there, ready to push back, Confuse and confound. And the opportunities are incredible, but so is the opposition. But we give the opposition too much credit. God is greater than the devil. He is greater than the opposition. He is more powerful than anything the devil will throw your way. And he will strengthen you and encourage you and empower you and give you the wisdom that you need to go through the open doors by faith. So go through them, church. Redeem the time. And a need's laid before you, whether it's from the church or it's from a neighbor, fulfill that need in Jesus' name. Open yourself to be used by God. Move forward. God is seeking a church, and I hope he finds it with us, to reach out, to go after the lost, to walk through the open doors aggressively, not passively, not just waiting around and whatever the Lord wants to do. What do you mean? What does God want to do? And when he reveals it, let's do it. And when the adversaries come, face them in Jesus' name. When the devil comes calling, ask Jesus to answer the phone. How's that one? I heard that somewhere. In these last days, it just seems like it's the old weapons. It's the same old thing that the enemy uses against us. Pride. Money. Sexual sin. Sin pornography deceit and how we need to be ready and equipped therefore take up the whole armor of god church that you may be able to withstand in the evil day having done all to stand verse 17 nahaziel the king of syria went up and fought against gath and took it so haziel set his face to go up to jerusalem And Jehoash, king of Judah, took all the sacred things that his fathers, Jehoshaphat and Jehoram and Ahaziah, kings of Judah, had dedicated, even his own sacred things, and all the gold found in the treasuries of the house of the Lord, and then the king's house, and sent them to Haziel, king of Syria, and he went away from Jerusalem. What a failure, isn't it? Man, it's just, man, progress, forward, backwards, forward, backwards, forward, backwards, you don't give things that belong to the Lord to the enemy. You don't give the things that belong to the Lord to the enemy. You don't give your kids to the enemy. You don't give your money to the enemy. You don't give the possessions of a church to the enemy. Even the possessions you are the church. You don't belong. Don't give your stuff away. Don't give your integrity away. Don't give your testimony away You know, don't blow your testimony by giving it away and compromise. He made a great success. Man, let's rebuild the temple. Great failure. You know, it's to this that in verse 19, the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did, aren't they written in the book of the Chronicles, the kings of Judah? When we get to Chronicles, a lot of it will be repetition, but we'll take different angles on it. And his servants arose and made a conspiracy and killed Joash in the house of Milo, which goes down to the Silla. And Jazakar, the son of Shimeath, and Jehozabad, the son of Shomer, his servants struck him, so he died, and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David, and Amaziah his son reigned in his place. It's a pretty sad way to end, because it's important to finish well. Some commentators suggest that Joash never really had a strong faith and was just a compromiser through and through. You know, these verses uh, here in the end give strong uh, indication for that, except that the Lord said he did right in the sight of the Lord. So, you know, when you're reading commentaries and things, and they make these suggestions, just make sure you let the Bible always trump the commentary. The Bible said that he did right in the sight of the Lord, so he wasn't a complete compromiser. So sometimes you're reading through in somebody's opinion on something, but the Bible is totally against that opinion. Choose the Bible, all right? Even in commentaries. Choose the Bible. He's taken out by assassination, by betrayal. And he had such a great beginning, such a sad ending. And it just reminds us, man, no matter what our beginning is, let's end well. Let's end well. The finish line's right up ahead, church. It doesn't matter how old you are. With the way things are going, the coming of the Lord is at hand. The pieces of the puzzle prophetically are being put together. It is, I mean, every day I read, a, I read a news article and I just like, what a crazy world we live in. I mean, that's not even a strong enough world. This world is just upside down in their thinking. So anti-God. They're just so opposed to the things of God. They're just inventing evil upon evil upon evil upon evil. I just, it just blew my mind. I have to minimize the type of news that I read. Because it's just crazy, out of control, against the things of God, and we would do well to steal our minds, to be tra- to be renewed and transformed by the renewing of our minds. To know what God says and to be prepared. And like the, like the, the, the ten virgins, to be the five virgins that are ready and our, our lamps are trimmed and filled with oil and we are ready for the master's return. That we're not just kind of lazy and just like, well, you know, I'll get oil anytime and I'll have it ready. And, you know, when the master gets back, he'll make an exception for me. No, we need to be ready, church. The coming of the Lord is at hand. And the finish line is just up ahead. And that we might live in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That he might get us through the finish line. And that we, even if we stumble, although a man falls seven times, he'll rise again. And maybe you're here today and you're on a stumble. You know, and you've stumbled. And just know that the Lord is going to get you up. Trust him. The quickest way out of difficulty is repentance. You know, we often talk about how easy it is to make a bad decision and just plunge into sin. But let me tell you something. You can easily, just as quickly repent and you'll be back. And the Lord will receive you. So, so many of us, the finish line is right up ahead. And so let's be prepared and be ready and lay aside those weights and the sin that so easily trips us up and not be concerned with the affairs of this life, but like a good soldier fighting arm and arm.
1: You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace and a message from 2 Kings 12. Hear it again online at CalvaryAurora.org. So, Ed, in today's message, you stress the importance of finishing well. Joash was a disobedient compromiser, starting well but ending poorly. Do you have some additional thoughts on that which can encourage our listeners to be faithful men and women of God? You know, Larry, this is a very important
0: part of the ministry here, encouraging men and women to finish well. I think there's such a strong emphasis on starting out well but not finishing well, and compromise and not being faithful in the little things is really the place where you begin not to finish well at all. It's the hidden part of our life uh, where not only does compromise enter in, but also hypocrisy. And so for you guys listening in, I just want to encourage you, do the right thing, make the right decision, and remember that whatever you do in word or deed is done before the Lord, not men. And we can fool men, Sometimes. like I don't always know what's happening in the lives of the people in our congregation. I don't know. I could easily be fooled, but don't you be fooled thinking that it's okay just because man doesn't know. God knows, and your relationship is first with Him, and He loves you. He's not wanting to make life more difficult for you. He's wanting to save you and me from great pain and agony. And so I just encourage you, know that the race is one to be run faithfully, day by day, moment by moment. Yes, let's run this race faithfully,
1: start to finish. Thanks, Pastor Ed. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to bringing the truths of God's Word to the radio every day, but we can't do it alone. We look to our listeners to help us provide these daily studies. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'll send you Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith. You'll be encouraged as you hear how God's grace really does change everything in your life. And it's the key that unlocks God's blessings. Call us right now at 877-30-GRACE or turn to CalvaryAurora.org. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you're writing, here's our address: Abounding Grace, 18900 East Hamden Avenue, Aurora, Colorado, 80013. We hope you'll visit us this weekend at Calvary Chapel, Aurora. There is a Saturday evening service that begins at six, and two services on Sunday morning at 8:45 and 10:45. We can tell you more at CalvaryAurora.org. And then join us next time when we'll pick up where we left off in 2 Kings here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing
0: grace.
1: Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado.